ago that sent me a text. They were with their uh, family up in uh, St. Louis today for a birthday party. They, they were going to Six Flags. They said, it's 40 degrees and snowing. You could be there. So you're welcome that it's not 40 degrees. Have you got your Bibles in here? Lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, did it not do your heart good to see two students up here this morning saying, hey, I'm, I'm in for Jesus. Come on. Amen. Amen. That just thrills us. And, and we believe that God has called, obviously, every part of the church family. We want everybody to grow at every level. But at every level, we're serious. Whether it's our young students whether it's our teenagers, uh, college age, and now obviously you guys as adults, we want everybody to really understand who Jesus is, have a relationship with him, and become empowered to fulfill the call that God has on your life. Guys, that's why we exist. And it's exciting to us. It thrills me as your pastor to see God beginning to do that. And, and I want you to know we're serious about our kids' ministries these kids, I don't know if you've noticed, but you've probably walked around here and some of these kids are checking people in. Some of these kids are working in. Taylor said she walked into a class the other day. Her students had cleaned the class up, put the chairs back together. I mean, they're learning to serve and realizing they can be the hands and feet of Jesus at their age. And it's the same, obviously, for us as adults. So we love to see what God's doing around here. Uh, just real quick, we're in uh, week six, I believe it is, on our series called Uncommon. And we've been talking about uncommon hope. Uh, we talked about an uncommon savior at Easter. We've talked about God's uncommon love for us. Today, we're going to talk about an uncommon God. And uncommon means something that's not normal. It's something that we're not used to. And the scripture we've been using for this series is Romans 12, verse 2. And it says this. This is Paul talking to the church at Rome. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you, everybody say transform you, into a new person by changing the way that you what? Think. Let God transform you by changing the way that you think. And, and here's what's interesting. Here's what most of us have grown up around or people have tried to transform us from the outside in. We call that behavior modification. And the way it works is, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's outside in. It doesn't necessarily change you from the inside out. It says there, look, if you do this, I'll reward you. If you don't do this, I'll spank you or whatever the result might be. And then we expect people to change on the outside, but they don't necessarily change on the inside. God's way of doing things is completely the opposite. What God is saying is, look, I'm not, I'm not as concerned about your outward transformation primarily. I'm concerned about your inner transformation. And here's what the scripture says. Man looks on the outside. God looks where? On the inside. How, as an example, how many of you have ever had somebody come up to you and say, I just love you so much. I just think you're so special. And on the inside, they're just wanting to kill you. You know what I'm talking about? You know that they're lying. But on the outside, but what matters? 
what's going on on the inside. And that's what God's really interested in too. But let me, let me explain this to you because I want everybody to understand it. If you change from the inside out, your outside is eventually going to show what's going on on the inside. And so God wants to start the transformation process first in here, and then eventually you'll see it out here, okay? So when you do that, then you will learn to know God's will for you, his will which is good and pleasing and perfect. So God's process is transforming you from the inside out, but the end result of you being transformed from the inside out is you're going to learn to know what God's will is for your life. Look at your neighbor and say, God, God, go ahead has a plan for you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God has a plan for you. Now put your finger right here. God has a plan. Don't get ahead of me, y'all. <laughs> for me. Right? God has a plan for every one of our lives, but the way we learn what his plan is by allowing him to transform us from the inside out. Recently, there was a study done by Baylor University down in Waco, Texas, and, and they did this study about how people see God, how people know uh, their, their understanding of, of who God is and what he's like, and I thought it was very interesting, and I want to share some of those results with you today, but here's what their study found out. Here, here it is. 95% of Americans believe in God. 95% of Americans, this is a recent study, believe in God, but they have a vastly different conception of who God is and the role that he plays in their daily lives. So here's what that means. If you go down to Walmart right now, and if you have the first 100 people that walk through the door, according to these statistics, 95 of them are going to say they believe in God. But I can just promise you something. Those 95 people have vastly different views of who God is. And so this study kind of broke down in general categories, and they overlap, but they broke down in general categories kind of how people view God. And, and I'm just going to run through these quickly, and then I have an illustration that I'm going to need some crowd participation with in a moment, okay? So here's the first way that people look at God. They look at God as an authority, authoritative God, as an authority figure, in other words, in their mind, God is a literal father, both engaged as a positive force in the world and as a judge of the behaviors of mankind. Suffering can be the result of social and individual sins. For many of us, we see God as a father. You know, and we believe God rewards us when we're good, but then he punishes us. There are consequences when we disobey him. And I would say to you today that th this is true. God, God is a father, and he's involved. He blesses us when we are doing what he wants us to, but there are also consequences when we disobey him. And that's how a portion of these 95% of the people see God. Then, then there's another group of people that see God as a benevolent God. In other words, they see God as mainly a force for good in the world. He's a being who answers the prayers of individuals and comforts the suffering. In other words, they see God, this is, this is my terminology, as basically kind of like a Santa Claus in the sky. He's just up there and he's just loving on people. There's no, there's no judgment side. There's no justice side. It's just that he's this God of love and compassion completely and, and he's just basically blessing on people and loving on them. Now, there is truth to that. 
Jesus showed us that God is a God of compassion. God in the Old Testament many times mentions that he's a God of mercy and grace. So that is absolutely true. But make no mistake, he is also a God of justice and judgment. Jesus had to die for that reason. God loves you completely, but there are consequences in the world when there's sin. But some people don't see it that way. It's kind of like, I'm okay, you're okay, God just loves everybody, and we can all do whatever we want to. Okay? Then there's a third group of people, and they see God as the critical God. Okay? In other words, they, they think that God is less likely to be concerned in the day-to-day moments of our lives, but he's gonna, he is all about judgment. And, and some of you may have grown up in an environment that this was primarily your, your view of God. Basically, what people said is, God's watching you. I mean, they basically scared you, right? It was, you, you remember thinking, you remember thinking if you ever did anything wrong that there was going to be an immediate what? Bolt of lightning. And, and I can tell you, <laughs> years ago in this church, I looked over one day and that door opened and a dude walked in the door that looked like Grizzly Adams. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He looked like a bear. He had this big, long beard going on. He literally, he was wearing a big pair of overalls. He literally filled up the door when he walked in. And I'll never forget it. I was standing there and I looked over at him. And he walked in the door and he opened the door and stopped right there in the opening. And he started looking around. And then he stepped in and stopped and looked around. And a a few minutes after this, I walked over and I met him down here. And I said, bro, what what were you doing? He said, well... Kind of my relationship with God, I kind of felt like when I walked in here, lightning was literally going to hit me as soon as I walked in that sanctuary. <laughs> no kidding. That, and, and some of us grew up. Now, now, where did he get that? There was somebody saying, God's watching you. God's going to smack you on the head. God's waiting behind every tree. And listen, that's the extreme side of the judgment side. Please understand today, God is a God of judgment, but God desires mercy over judgment. That's why Jesus died for us. You can't do whatever you want without consequences, but also God is more interested in mercy. As a matter of fact, we studied this the other day. The Bible tells us that God is slow to judge us. Why? Because he wants us to come to repentance. In the same way that many of us look at our kids and go, look, if you do that again, I'm going to spank you. I don't want to spank you. But if you continue to do this, I've got to get your attention some way. Well, more so, God doesn't want us, he doesn't want to have to judge us. He wants to give us opportunity to receive his grace. And then the final group of people, this group of people, they're the ones that believe in a distant God. They believe that basically God got the world spinning, created everything, got the world spinning, and then he went on vacation. He's totally uninvolved. He's basically just watching what happens. So look at their, bless their little hearts. You know? And, and they think that, yeah, I believe that God's out there, but I don't believe he really cares. And you know what the truth is? The reality is for most of us is, is all of these kind of overlap f- for us. And at different times of our lives, we may see God in different ways. We may perceive him as a different way. And so this is what I was thinking about as I was preparing the message, as I was doing my research on this. Here's the conclusion. We see God 
Each of us in this room see God based on the lens of our perspective. We see God based on our experience. The problem is, the problem with that is, the way we see him may not necessarily be how he really is. And so as I thought about what an illustration for this might be, I wanted to make sure you guys completely understood how this worked. So Monica helped me find some things, and I need some volunteers. Now, I'm going to be very democratic in how I do this. Kennedy? (laughs) River. Come here, River. Why won't any of y'all look at me? Why is everybody looking away? Nobody's looking up here at me right now. Clint, come here. I need a deacon. Come on, deacon. Come on, Kennedy. Y'all come up on the platform. Come on, Riv. I need one more. Who am I mad at? No, (laughs) I'm not mad. Come here, Nick. Come on. You can come up here with me. Here's what we're going to do. I want you guys to understand this because this is a really, really important topic. So I brought some tasers. No, I'm kidding. No, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. No, no, I'm kidding. No tasers. No tasers. But what I did find, and Miss Monica helped me do this, are water called, this we got the, we borrowed these from an organization. These are called beer goggles. And what these do is they simulate, this is for students. And what happens is, is the officers take these and allow students to see these so they can understand what happens to your body when you consume alcohol or illegal drugs, okay? So they're trying to help them simulate what that looks like. So what I want each one of these students to do is put these on. You're a student too. So here you go, Clint. No, 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 I think it'd be hilarious. You just stay right there for a minute. <laughs> Here you go, Kennedy. You put those on. This is in no certain order. Here you go, Riv. All right, all right. Good deal, good deal. One more. Here you go, Nick. All right, put those on. So, so you've got these in. How's that feel, Clint? Your eyes are huge, dude. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's it really looks good in the light. So, so, so do me a favor. Yeah, you guys back up. Y'all are having way too much fun. Okay. Clint, how many fingers am I holding up? How many fingers am I holding up right now? Ten. Ten. He's a banker. Ten, okay? Okay, so do you see that? All right, come here. Walk to me. Walk to my voice. Walk to my voice. <laughs> He's looking over here. Look, look. No, don't do that. Can you hear me? You're going to walk me off. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, here, you stand back over here. Just don't fall down. All right, you okay? Okay, come here, Nick. Come here, Nick. Wave at everybody, Nick. Can you see him? No. No, you can't see anybody. All right, Nick, how many fingers am I holding up right now? Uh, Seven. Seven. Very good. Very good. This does not give you permission to drink and drive. Okay, (laughs) that's just so you know. All right, so here, Nick, turn around so you hear my voice. Walk to me. There you go. Good job. Walk to me. Can you? There you go. Good job, Nick. It's mostly green. That's right. So you got to be real careful, don't you? You feeling a little queasy right now? Nope. Just not sure where I am. You're not sure. You're not sure where you are. Okay, hold, hold, plant. Hold. There you go. It's called mutual protection, people. Do y'all understand how this works? All right, come here, oh, River. Come here, River. Come here, Riv. Can you see? <laughs> How many of you have ever seen cops? This is the point where you say, how many beers have you taken? And they usually say, two. <laughs> Can you see me? How, how many hands am I holding up? How many hands? Two hands. Very good. How many fingers am I holding up? Seven. Seven. Wow, River. Very good. River, here's what I want you to do. Step backwards. 
Step backwards, step backwards. <laughs> he looks like a ninja. Okay, walk over here to me. Walk over here to me. Very good, River. All right, sing the national anthem in Greek. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, Kennedy, come on up here. All right, Kennedy, step over here. Uh, no, there you go. <laughs> step over here. Kennedy, can you see okay? What's going on with you, Kennedy? Tell me what's going on. Well, everything's like four inches that way. Is it four inches that way? Okay, how many fingers am I holding up? Six. Okay. How many fingers are you holding up? I have two hands. (laughs) (laughs) Ten. Pastor's kid. (laughs) All right, you guys take your goggles off. Good job. Give him a hand, y'all. Come on. (laughs) Don't drink and drive. There you go. Have a good day. (laughs) Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Their view of reality was through these lenses. Was their view of reality accurate? No. No. Their view of reality was based on their perception of reality. And as I begin to think about this this week, this is how most of us view God. We view God through the lens of our experience, and the problem is our lens of experience is not the truth. And that's where you get all these different views of all the different ways that God is. And as I begin to think about that and pray about it and really ponder it, In my heart, I began to really try to understand, how is it that we end up with all these different things that God says about himself? How does that even work? There's a guy named Velarde, and this is what he says about theology, the study of God. Theology lays the foundation for God and his nature and his plan involving redemption for human beings and the restoration of a fallen creation. It also tells us some important things about God, such as that he is personal, loving, transcendent, and active in his creation, that he's all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. And so I began to think about what did Jesus say about truth? You know, what did Jesus say about these goggles that we wear in our lives? And if you look up on the screen, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, I think Jesus answers the question, of how we see God. Jesus turns around and says to the Jews that who, who had believed in him, Jesus said this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let me say that again. Now think, think about what we're talking about, this uncommon God, this perspective of how we see God. And think about what Jesus is saying here. I'm going to read it one more time. Jesus says, if you hold to what? My teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Look on your notes there, or, well, it's not on your notes, but you can look up on the screen and you see that word know, K-N-O-W. I went to the Greek and researched it again. Throughout the New Testament, you see this word know. This word know is the Greek word gnosko, and it means intimately understand. 
Jesus is saying this, you're walking around with the goggles of how you see God, but if you study my word, if you draw close to me and you really learn who I am, then you will know intimately the truth. And he says this about the truth, though. Once you know who I am and you know the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. And the light bulb came on for me. See, that's our problem. I look at God in the way of my experience, but most of my experience is not about who he really is. It's just how I think he is. And Jesus is saying, look, if you'll read my word, if you'll draw close to me, you're going to know me, intimately know me, and then you're going to know the truth. And when you see me as I really am, that's where you're going to find freedom. So it's not in your perception of reality It's in knowing who reality is, and that's who Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. Moses one time was asking God when he was talking to the Israelites, and, and he was going to go back to them, and they were still in captivity, and God was talking to him about going and telling the people to come on so they could be set free. And Moses said, I have a question. Who are you? Because we've got this, our goggles are not, we don't know exactly who you are. And God said this. He said, tell them that I am who I am, and that I am is sending you. I am. I am what? I'm the truth. I'm life, I'm hope, I'm all that, all that you need in life, I am. Yesterday, uh, we had 27 guys go to the men's event over the last couple of days. And it, it was really incredible. And, and one of the things that we did while we were there is we ate. <laughs> and, and there were a couple things that I didn't anticipate as, as an example, the first morning we got up and we went to a buffet. <laughs> Have you ever known when you pull up somewhere and people start locking doors and locking things? Because I think we show up, you know, and we go rolling in this buffet and they start serving us. I had two different guys come up to me that morning separate. And here's what they said. My wife makes me eat turkey bacon. But today... I'm going to have real bacon. <laughs> I have a picture of one of these gentlemen. And ladies, for the right amount of money, I might let you know who it is. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. There's a plate this big, this high with bacon on it. He died while we were there, y'all. It was terrible. <laughs> but he was smiling when he did, right? But you know what happened? He, he ate that, and, and he, he was satisfied with that. But we left yesterday after the event. Somebody said, we need to go to Lambert's Restaurant. Now, I don't know. How many of you have ever been to Lambert's Restaurant in Branson? They throw stuff at you. But it's food, so it's okay, right? And they throw rolls and everything. And, and we sat in there, and I ordered chicken fried steak. And you know why I ordered chicken fried steak? Because I'm a man. And that's what men do. And the server came up next to us and says, sir, what would you like? 
And, and I said, I'd like chicken fried steak. He said, we have two kinds of chicken fried steak. We have hen steak, chicken fried steak, and rooster. I just kind of looked up at him. He said, rooster it is. Because <laughs> it's like twice the size. Now, I don't know if you've ever eaten there or not, but we sat there and ate. And he said, all right, sir, you get two sides. And he starts listing all the sides. I said, I'm a man. Two sides. I want mashed potatoes and gravy. And mashed potatoes and gravy. Because <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> you want to eat vegetables with that? What's wrong with you? I want mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> the cow ate the vegetables. <laughs> so the byproduct is that somewhere in this fried meat <laughs> is sort of a vegetable somewhere. <laughs> but can I tell you something? Miles was sitting next to me. We started eating, and all the guys were all eating, and they're bringing us food. And I looked down, and I could not eat this whole piece of chicken fried steak. I know, it's sad. <laughs> Thank you for that. But, but I want you to know, we have a Spencer. Stand up, Spencer. Eight foot seven. <laughs> he got his left leg filled up, but his right leg was empty, so... He ate the rest of my mashed potatoes and gravy and the rest of my chicken fried steak. But can I tell you something? Not one man that was there that day left hungry. We were satisfied. And as I thought about that, in light of who God says he is and in light of the way that, I, that we, I, and you view him, I began to think about what he talked about and knowing him. Because, see, where we get in trouble, my life and your life, is, again, we have this lens over who we think God is and how we should act or not act. And we don't really know him like he wants us to know him. And, the re and then we get off into all these challenges and trouble in life because we don't really know who God is. And because we don't really know him, we are unsatisfied in life. And a scripture came into my heart that I want to read to you now that's on your notes and it's on the screen. Now notice this. It's the Old Testament and I'm going to read, show you something in the New Testament in a second. The Lord says, all you who are thirsty, come and drink. Those of you who do not have money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And look at this next verse, verse 2. Why spend your money on something that is not real food? On your notes, circle that word real and put true. God is saying, why are you wasting your life on things that don't satisfy you? Why are you doing that? Why work, verse, the second part of the verse says, why work for something that doesn't satisfy you? Listen closely to me, and you will eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that satisfies. I thought, wow. In the New Testament, Jesus tells a parable. This is what he says. He said, a man put together a feast. And he prepared this feast, and it was awesome. 
And he began to send out invitations to his friends. And he said, I've prepared a feast for you. Come on and come eat. Doesn't cost anything, just come. And one by one, his friends began to make excuses. Well, I've got to work, or I'm getting married, or they just kind of went over and over making excuses. And, and the host looks up and looks around at the table and realizes there aren't very many people there and says, there's still plenty of spaces. I prepared this amazing meal for people. Where is everybody? Go out into the highways and byways and gather people in. Gather people in. And when I thought of this Isaiah 55, I thought of that New Testament story that Jesus shares. Here's the thing that God wants you to hear today. He wants you to see him as he really is. But if you don't come, you don't get to participate. Let me say that again. God wants you to see the truth. And he's saying in the old And in the New Testament, come. It's not going to cost you anything. But you've been out there in life, and you've been trying things that don't satisfy you. Because there's not enough. I'm going to say something right now, and I'm talking to me too. The reason we don't know him is not because of him. We don't know him because we're not making the effort. He's saying, everything's here. Come. One of the speakers at our men's conference made a comment. He's a pastor of a large organization, large church. And he said the other day he was praying before the church service, and one of his staff members came to him and said, do you realize, you know, you're in here praying? And he said, yeah. And, and the, the pastor said he realized in that moment that the only time he had spent really praying and seeking God was right before he preached. And he realized he was missing it. See, Jesus died and rose again so that you could know him. Intimately know him. And guys, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, with everything in me, from the heart of God to you, is that God is saying, come. I prepared this table for you. Come. It's not going to cost you anything, but you have to come. You know what? I, I lied. I'm sorry. It is going to cost you something. Time. The reason they didn't come is they were too busy doing these other things that didn't satisfy them. That is truth. And I noticed this yesterday when we were at Lambert's, guys. Some of you that are there, I don't know if you noticed this, but we went to the gift shop while we were waiting to go inside. And most of the men there, most of the people there were coming from our conference. And I looked around one side of the room, and there were probably 15 guys lined up against the wall. And I looked over in that moment, and every one of them had something like this and was like this. Every one of them. 15 of them. 
And they were in this moment where they were surrounded by other men and had an opportunity to interact with people. But what they had done is they would isolated themselves in that moment. And they might have well been a thousand miles away. And here's the deal. I'm not opposed to technology. I think technology is awesome. But you can't replace God with technology, guys. And can I just say this? The level of quality relationships you're going to have is going to be directly related to how much time and effort you put into them. Gentlemen, if you don't spend quality time with your wife, you're not going to have much of a relationship. If you don't spend time with your kids, if you don't spend time with those people that you love, and, and you don't spend any kind of a quality time, how can you have a relationship with them? And that's the heart of God for you. Jesus is saying, come on, I've got everything ready, and yet what do we say? I'm too busy. Too busy doing what? And I'm not saying these things today to try to make you feel bad. But I also want to shed enough light on the situation and say, the reason you have the view of God that you do is because you haven't taken the goggles off to see who he really is. And he's over here waiting for you. Ask yourself this question right now. How much time do you spend with God a week, just you and him? How much time? 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Can I ask you this? If all the time you spent with your kids this week was 15 minutes, what kind of relationship would you have? Think about it. And God is saying, I want you to know me. And Jesus is saying, if you know my word, well, the only way I can know his word is if I'm spending time with him and reading his word or listening to his word. And I want y'all to know, guys, God is, God is doing something amazing in our church, and he's getting ready to do something amazing in our community. But all those things, what it matters is you. God is about you. He's about your heart. So here's what I want you to do. This week, no matter how much time you spend with him, here's what I want you to do. Spend an hour more. Take an extra hour this week. Put down the smartphone. Please, Facebook will not die. Okay, Lord. Okay. When's the last time somebody asked you to do something at church and your comment was, I'm too busy? But if I looked at your Facebook account and I knew how many hours you spent on it, what would that say? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to help you see reality. Some of you don't see God right because you're seeing God through the lens of your experience your experience is not all that good and you need to take the goggles off and see him for who he really is and you need to begin to live you need to begin to live and that's God's cry for you
come, eat, and be satisfied. Let's pray. Father, I just pray today, we're in the holiness of this moment, Lord. In the stillness of this moment, Lord, I know your presence is here with us. That, Father, right now, you love all these people. Every person in this room, regardless of our background, regardless of where we've come from, regardless of what we've done this week or haven't done, you love every one of us perfectly and completely and the same. Lord, your word says that you have put eternity in each one of our hearts. Each one of us knows there's more. And Jesus, you're calling out to us to develop a deeper relationship with you. You're calling us closer to you. You said, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, and I'll show you things. Lord, I praise your people today that we would be honest about our relationship with you. That, Father, we would be honest and we would simply make that effort to draw near to you. That we would spend that extra time with you. And that, Father, as we do that, you would begin to transform the way we see you. And Lord, we would begin to see you as who you really are, the God that loves us, that created us, that uniquely has a plan for every person's life in this room. The Lord, we would not see you through the lens of other people's experience, Lord, of any experience beyond the truth, that Father, we would see you as you really are. I thank you for that, Lord. Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So, what does that mean? That means this week, I want you to look at your schedule and take some time and see if it won't transform you. I'm going to say this in closing. I'm actually early today. You're welcome. I would guess there's nobody that you would ever talk to that if they were on their deathbed that would say I wish I would have spent more time on the phone I wish I would have could have watched the Cowboys lose one more time y'all don't know how much that hurt to say right then so you know I'm being real right now but you know what I mean But there are people that will say, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have said goodbye to somebody. I wish I would have done more for God. So can I just say to you today as I plead with you from the bottom of my heart, from God's heart to yours, let's make those decisions now. Let's choose to be a people that don't live with regrets. Let's choose to be a people that allow God to become who he wants to be in our lives. Let's choose to draw near to him. And let's watch what he does. And he changes us and transforms us from the inside out. Amen.
Are you going to be those people? Are you? Well, if you are, stand on your feet. If you're not, stay here because I'm not done with you. Let's get up on our feet. Austin, where are you, buddy? Come on up here, man. I'm going to be out front to greet you guys. I'm going to let Austin close us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're a God that we can have a relationship with, a God that loves us, a God that cares for us, and a God that keeps us straight. God, I pray for each and every person here this morning that they wouldn't just know about you, but that they would know you, really know you, and that as we walk away from this place that we would be different, that our hearts would be changed, that our perspective would be shifted towards you. Help us to activate our faith this week and spend one more hour with you. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, that concludes our service. Uh, Pastor Chris is out front, so if you're a guest with us, he'd love to meet you. Also, this Saturday, uh, we're having a bake sale at Walmart, and so we're looking for people to make some goodies. So sign up for that out in the front. The darkness fades into new beings.